parents ever check your Halloween candy? Out of fear that somebody may have done something to it, poisoned you, maybe put a razor blade in it, or even a staple. But what if the person who was supposed to check your candy and protect you was the person who ended up killing you? Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, Welcome to the water, we're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. We are back with more spooky content, everybody. So please make sure you like, comment, subscribe and turn on your post notifications. And if you're listening on podcast platforms, I upload on Tuesdays, as you know. Today, we are going to be talking about the case of a man who poisoned his own son's Halloween candy. This case just boggles my mind. I really don't understand why you would want to hurt one of your own children. What in the world is worth their life? I'll never understand that. But with that, let's get right into the case. In 1974, a man named Ronald Clark O'Brien lived in a small town called Deer Park, which was only 20 minutes outside of Houston, Texas. He lived there with his family, his wife, Danae, his daughter, Elizabeth, and his son, Timothy. Ronald worked as an optician in town and he was very into his Baptist faith. He even participated in the choir at his church and people said that he was all around just a pretty nice average family man. And as most dads do, he took his children trick-or-treating on Halloween night of 1974. And he decided to take Elizabeth and Timmy, his son and his daughter, and they went trick-or-treating with another family from church as well as another little boy from church who they also knew. So they decided to go to the home of the family and their neighborhood because they had a better neighborhood. It was a little bit safer, it was a little bit bigger. So they said, you know what, we're gonna go here and trick-or-treat. So they're just trick-or-treating like normal, walking around the neighborhood, when all of a sudden they come across a house that has the lights off. Now, when a house has the lights off, you can assume that they're not handing out Candy. But the group decided to knock on the door anyway, just to make sure. And when they did, as expected, nobody answered. So the group decides to start walking away, except for Ronald. He says, you know what guys, you go ahead, I'll catch up with you. I'm gonna keep trying this house with the lights off that didn't answer. So they're like, mm, okay, you know, do you? So the kids and Ronald's friend Jim continue to go through the neighborhood trick-or-treating. When Ronald catches up with them a little bit later and he hands each one of the children a pixie stick. And he said, I finally got the house to answer and they handed me these pixie sticks. Now the crazy part is the pixie sticks were actually stapled shut. Clearly somebody already opened them and tampered with them but I guess in the 70s you didn't really think about those things but I feel like that's the writing on the wall like if you're getting candy that's stapled shut it's pretty clear that somebody already opened it. It looked pretty sketchy but Ronald still decided to hand out these pixie sticks to the kids including his own and they took them continued to go trick-or-treating but it actually started to rain so they ended up wrapping up their night early. Ronald, Elizabeth, and Timmy head home to figure out what they got and start eating some of their candy as all kids do. As soon as you get home you want to start getting into your candy. That's what I always did. I, I love Halloween. I used to love trick-or-treating and I have a sweet tooth like really really bad. I was a kid where as soon as I got home I had to start eating my candy. Now, of course, Timothy and Elizabeth, they wanted to eat their candy right away. And Ronald was encouraging them, hey, eat the pixie stick. I mean, it's right here. But Elizabeth said, mm, I don't really want it. I kind of just want to eat this piece of candy instead. So Ronald says, hey, Timothy, 
how about you eat your pixie stick? And Timothy's like, sure. But he couldn't get it open because of the staple. So Ronald helped him and he opened it for him. And as soon as Timothy ate the pixie stick, he noticed that it tasted very, very bitter. Now, if you've had pixie sticks before, they're supposed to taste really sweet. It's literally a tube of sugar. So it shouldn't taste bitter at all. And Ronald says, hold on, let me go get you some Kool-Aid to wash it down and wash the taste out of your mouth. So he goes to get Timothy some Kool-Aid, washes it down. But as soon as he does that, Timothy runs to the bathroom and immediately starts throwing up. Ronald runs into the bathroom to figure out what's going on and tries to help his son. When all of a sudden, Timothy collapses in his father's arms. Now Ronald's terrified, he doesn't know what to do because his son is now unconscious. So he decides to call 911. Timothy's rushed to the hospital, but unfortunately it was too late. And at the age of only eight years old, Timothy passed away. Now he passed away within an hour of eating this pixie stick. There was nothing wrong with him throughout the night. So it definitely looked pretty sketchy as to why this happened. An autopsy report was done on Timothy and it was found that he had enough cyanide in his system to kill two grown men. Now remember, he's only eight years old. It was pretty clear that the pixie stick he ate was laced with cyanide and this was clearly done intentionally. People in the area were absolutely terrified to hear that a child had been poisoned by Halloween candy and actually died. This sent everybody into a panic and some parents were even throwing out all of their kids' Halloween candy because they just didn't wanna risk it. Now, because Timothy was actually killed by a pixie stick being poisoned, police were going around telling everybody to throw out any pixie sticks that you got from any house, no matter what, until they figured out where they came from. And that's what people did. Remember that night, Ronald handed out a pixie stick to each kid. He handed out five, two for his own children and three for the other children. Of course, police had to track down all of these pixie sticks and find them before these other children met the same fate as Timothy. Luckily, they were able to track down each kid before they ate the pixie stick. But one kid, they barely saved. They couldn't get a hold of his family because Ronald could not remember the kid's name. And when they finally did get a hold of his family, his parents immediately went to the child's Halloween candy and tried to find the pixie stick, but they couldn't. So they ran up to his room after he had already gone to bed for the night. They looked in his bed and they found their son asleep, holding the pixie stick unopened. Turns out he was trying to open the pixie stick, but he couldn't quite get it because of the staple. So he fell asleep trying. His parents immediately took the pixie stick from him and gave it to police. Talk about perfect timing. Police ended up collecting all the pixie sticks to see what was in them and figure out what killed Timothy. And they found that there was actually no pixie candy in them at all. It was all cyanide. And whoever did this wanted to make sure that he killed his victims. Police, of course, had to go to Ronald and figure out which house he got these pixie sticks from so we could figure out who was going around poisoning children's Halloween candy. And they take Ronald back to the neighborhood that he went to and are walking around with him to see if they could jog his memory. But he couldn't remember which house it was. Now this struck police as odd because remember I said it was raining that night. So they didn't go to a lot of houses. So we're like, pretty sure you would remember which house you went to, but Ronald didn't. They took him to the other houses that he remembered going to that night, but none of those people had been handing out pixie sticks. Police questioned them, looked inside their homes, and there was no evidence that they had handed out that particular type of candy. So they were ruled out. Police are starting to look at Ronald like, where is the house? I mean, what's going on? And as they walk through the neighborhood a little bit more, Ronald finally remembers which house he went to. And he's like, it was this house right here. Ronald begins to tell the story of that night as soon as they come up on the house. He said, the lights were off, everybody else decided to leave, but 
he chose to stay. And when he knocked on the door and nobody answered, and then he knocked again and the door finally opened, but the light was still off and the person never showed their face. He said that all the person did was stick their hand out of the door, holding the pixie sticks like this. And was just like here, didn't show their face, nothing. It was just their hand holding out these five stapled pixie sticks. And you chose to give those five stapled pixie sticks from a nameless, faceless person to five children, two of which were your own. Okay. Police found out that the house belonged to a man named Courtney Melvin, and they immediately began questioning him to figure out where he was that night. And Courtney said, I wasn't home, I was at work. Turns out he was working at a nearby airport, and he had timestamps for his clocking in and clocking out to verify that he was in fact at work that night. He didn't get off until 11 p.m., hours after Ronald and the kids had already gone home. So was there just a random person handing out candy in Courtney Melvin's house when he wasn't there? That doesn't make any sense. After police found out that Courtney Melvin wasn't even home, they became pretty suspicious of Ronald. They weren't quite sure where his story was coming from, but they just knew it wasn't adding up. They decided to look into him a little bit further and they found that he was over $100,000 in debt. They also found that he was accused from stealing at the optical store that he worked for. His car was about to be repossessed and he had had 20 jobs in 10 years. He was accused of stealing from his job, he was about to lose his car, and he was about to lose his home as well. So Ronald was in deep, deep financial debt. Police had to look into this as a possible motive for maybe wanting to poison his own child. And sure enough, they found that in January of that year, Ronald had taken out two life insurance policies, one on Timothy and one on Elizabeth. They both equaled $10,000. This wasn't the only life insurance policy he took out on the kids. A month before Timothy's death, he took out another 20,000 life insurance policy on both kids. And even a few days before Timothy's death, he took out two more $20,000 life insurance policies on his kids. Now this is pretty rare to do for children of such a young age. Normally you take out life insurance policies on people who are a little bit older and their chances of passing away increase. So if you take out a life insurance policy on a child, they either may be sick or you're going to make them sick. The crazy part about this is the fact that Ronald's wife had no idea that he had done this. Danae was completely in the dark about the fact that Ronald had taken out life insurance policies on their children. This raised a red flag for police. They had a feeling that Ronald definitely did this with the intent to potentially hurt his children so he could collect the life insurance policy money and get out of debt. The life insurance policy that Ronald used in order to do this actually called police and told them that on November 1st, the day after Halloween, Ronald tried to collect the life insurance policy money. And only a day, a day after, really? That's what you're thinking about? A local chemical store also called police and told them that Ronald came in a few days before Halloween trying to buy a large amount of cyanide, but they weren't able to give it to him because he didn't have a license, so he was denied. I'm not sure where he got the cyanide from, but this chemical store did say that he attempted to purchase it from them, and it was a lot. And this was pretty much all police needed to hear. And on November 5th of 1974, just five days after Timothy died, Ronald was arrested and charged with his own son's murder, as well as four counts of attempted murder for handing out the other poisoned pixie sticks to his daughter, as well as the other three children that he knew 
from his church. He pleaded not guilty on all charges, of course. Now you may be wondering, why did he hand out the pixie sticks to the other children? Well, this was so his own two kids didn't look targeted. So unfortunately to him, the other children were pretty much just collateral damage. So that way he didn't look suspicious, but of course he did anyway. The trial began on May 5th of 1975, which was the following year. And one of Ronald's friends who was a chemist actually ended up testifying, saying that Ronald was asking him a lot of questions about how much cyanide it would take to kill a person. And he was also trying to figure out where he could get it and how much of it it would take and when they could take it and what he could put it in. He was just becoming very interested in the idea of poisoning someone, but nobody knew that he was planning to poison his own son. His sister and his brother-in-law also came forward and said that at the funeral, Ronald was behaving very strangely. He kept talking about what he was gonna do with the life insurance policy money that he collected from Timothy's death, which was just so weird. Like, why are you thinking about that at your son's funeral? He was saying how he was gonna go on vacation, he was gonna buy this, he was gonna buy that. He was so worried about how he was gonna spend the money instead of the fact that his son was gone. And a lot of people said that they just remember this as being very, very odd. After a month of testimonies, the trial ended. And on June 3rd, 1975, after only a 45 minute deliberation, Ronald was found guilty on all charges. Short deliberation is usually not a good sign for the defendant. That pretty much means the jury has already made up their mind before they even went in there, but they had to go in and as a formality and just make sure they were all on the same page. Ronald ended up being sentenced to death for the murder of his son and the attempted murder of the other three children. As expected, his wife, Danae, filed for divorce shortly after he was convicted. Execution was set for August 8th, 1980, but it got pushed to May 25th, 1982. And then it got pushed again for Halloween night of the same year. It was said that the judge wanted Ronald to be executed so bad on Halloween night, which was the eighth anniversary of Timothy's death, that he was going to drive him there himself in order to make it happen. But once again, his execution got pushed back. It got pushed again to March 31st, 1984. Now this was done so that way Ronald could appeal his sentence and get another chance, but he was still found guilty. His appeal was thrown out and he ended up finally being executed on that day at the age of 39. Ronald maintained his innocence until the very end. He never came forward and he never admitted to what he did to his son, even though the evidence suggested otherwise. His final words were, I forgive all and I do mean all those who have been involved in my death. God bless you and may God's best blessings always be yours. As of today, Ronald's ex-wife, Danae, got remarried and her new husband ended up adopting Elizabeth. I can't imagine how hard this tragedy was for them to move on from, especially because Timothy was their son, was their brother, and they absolutely loved him. And to know that their father, their husband, was the one who took his life, I don't know how you ever get over something like that. His father was supposed to protect him and he was the one that he should have been watching out for. But with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode of spooky content. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and I hope to see you in the water soon.